everyone. Welcome to the Video Chat Podcast. My name is Una and I'm here with my friend Lauren. Adelie Hill. <laughs> Adelie Hill, neighbour. <laughs> this podcast uh, is all about reviewing, reminiscing on and reconnecting with music videos from the past whenever we were two bigger idiots. And uh, yeah, it's all about the music videos, the pop culture, the artists, what it meant to us at the time, just any and every sort of conversation that can exist around some of these topics. Uh, so we really hope that um, it's something that you will enjoy today and you might get some completely pointless information. Um, that's what all my head is filled with, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoy it. So how are you this week, Lauren? Not so bad. We've had a bit of an exciting week this week. Yes, yes. We're we well ahead of... We went live. We did. We're well ahead of ourselves with these episode recordings. So mm-hmm. here we are, episode seven, and only yes. have released number one. But it was good to see some nice feedback from people. Very heartening. I wonder will this one even get released, Lauren? Maybe we'll be oh, like, well. oh, well. They'll be cancelled by then. Or... Yeah, hashtag cancelled. Um, yeah, so we hope that maybe by the time this is reaching people, there's, you know, maybe some established listeners. That'll be really lovely. Um, to see it's one of these things that definitely you know gives you something to do in the week for ourselves in terms of researching I really enjoy like the, sub- the subject today which we'll get to um, very shortly um, I really enjoyed because it's really brought me back to like being a certain age I feel yeah. um, because I was a a big fan of this person but they weren't I didn't feel like they were like on the level that maybe they would have been in America or, you know, even so much here as well. Uh, I don't know what it was. But I just felt very much like I liked what this artist was all about and their music and everything and that there was quite a tragic end. Mm-hmm. I suppose my the length of time that I had to enjoy uh, this particular artist was cut short tragically. Um, so, yeah, a lot of um, waste, well, wasted potential, I suppose is the right word. Um mm-hmm. Not wasted. That's not the right word, Lauren. Just, you know. Like potential cut off and it's prime. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be focusing on Aaliyah uh, and her single uh, from 2000 and 2000, sorry, uh, Try Again. Um, And yourself, Lauren? I will be talking about Tony Braxton's single, He Wasn't Man Enough, which was released in also 2000. Yes. So obviously Try Again is a single that we've probably all heard uh, many times. I think it's uh, it's a good sort of song that punctuates a period of time um, in most of our lives whenever you reach a certain age, like I suppose our age, you know, you can remember this from whenever mm. you were what, we're talking 21 years ago now since that song mm-hmm. came out, so we were what, 13? Yeah. Um, 13, yeah. Uh, so... I also, I mean, I mentioned uh, in the last episode about how I had um, a poster of Britney on my wall. I had a poster of Aaliyah on my wall and I had a poster of Alicia Keys on my wall. And they were massive posters and they they were all the same size. And like, I used to refer to them, this is so sad, (laughs) as the the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's a very... Uh, I mean, blasphemy for days, joke. for starters. 
Um, obviously, Aaliyah was the Holy Ghost because God rest her. And um, I can't remember who was the father or the son. Uh, probably Brittany was probably Eclipse and Alicia Keys. But Alicia Keys, like it wasn't long after she'd released Fallen. So she was a big deal for a minute. And yeah, uh, yeah I can't remember who was who. But for obvious reasons, Aaliyah was the Holy Ghost. So they were the Holy Trinity that I had. And also, like I say, you know, didn't really help the idea that my father may have had that I could have potentially grown up to be a lesbian. Um, Why is there only woman all over the world? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not one boy band or nothing. <laughs> there, was, there was Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio did feature, but I kind of like moved more towards the music than the movies yeah. by that stage. Now, my relationship with the film Titanic, unhealthy on mm. many levels, <laughs> um, will probably... We'll probably get to that at some point. I think I'll, let, I'll be, let you cover that one. <laughs> that could be worth uh, a chitter or two. But anyway, so focus on Aaliyah. Now, Aaliyah had, I mean, like a short a short career. She died very, very young. She was only 22. Um, and so I suppose I've kind of looked a bit at Aaliyah's life. I thought it'd be good just to maybe talk a little bit about her and her career and, you know, what happened. The music video itself, obviously, we can we'll obviously talk about. There's not a lot of um, anything spectacular that goes on in her music video. It's very of that time, you know, with the dance routines and, and stuff like that. But it's uh, and the way that the setting is uh, for the video. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Aaliyah herself. So, oh, geez. So Aaliyah Dana Houghton, better known as Aaliyah, was born in January um, 1979 uh, in Brooklyn, New York. So she is, would have been 42 years, years of age, excuse me. Um, she, uh, her name uh, was the feminine of the Arabic Ali, um, which meant highest, most exalted, the best. I watched an interview um, of her when she was very, very young in her career, just starting her career. And, you know, she presented as, and what I'd read as well, very proud of her name and, and would have, you know, done all she could to try to live up to that name as well. Uh, not in like a cocky sort of a way, but she just wanted to always be, you know, doing her best, trying her best at whatever it was. So they moved from New York to Detroit whenever she was only five um, and and settled there basically her uncle um was an entertainment lawyer who was married to Gladys Knight um so this was her auntie basically and she from a very young age she would have been on stage singing with Gladys Knight Mm -hmm. as well would have been brought on to sing a wee song she had appeared on Star Search which again was something that um Britney Spears had been on um I remember watching this years and years ago Aaliyah she appeared on it when she was 10 and she sang um My Funny Valentine uh, she didn't win it though that year um, but needless to say obviously a lot of people who appeared on that went on to very big things so she was very focused on her education throughout her career you know whenever she was in her early teens and managed to maintain I mean I don't know what this is what the equivalent of this is um, for our own education system but she had like a 4.0 grade average which I would probably guess is probably around like the A, A star mm-hmm. mark probably um, so she managed to maintain that whilst releasing music, which was quite, um, you know, yeah, no an achievement in itself because Jesus, I certainly wasn't doing much friggle whenever I was studying <laughs> and was bloody well lucky and delighted if I got a C most of the time. Um, so 
She had a lot of support from her uncle, Barry, um, who was Gladys's husband, and um, he was also the manager for R. Kelly. So I don't want to go into loads and loads of detail about this because, you know, it, it seems like it's a bit, not a mark against her in any way, but it's like mm. a dark part of her history. And, you know, I don't really want it to be a massive focus on that. But obviously, you know, unless you've been lived under a rock in the last two years, you know, you'll um, you'll have heard of the Surviving R. Kelly documentary series. Mm. Um, and that was that was quite shocking there'd already been rumblings about that long before that uh, documentary was released um, but R. Kelly he was the producer of her uh, first album uh, Agent Nothing But A Number which is a really oh, unfortunate name yeah and very telling you know whenever you think about it and I, I watched quite a few interviews um, with the two of them um, you know or individually about I suppose the relationship there's always always a question around it now, she was very secretive of her age um wouldn't tell anyone how old she was I watched one interview where she said that she just turned 16 and she hadn't like it said what date it was released and she hadn't just turned 16 she was still very much 15 um whenever that interview was um was recorded so she had always wanted to keep her age a secret she seemed to think that people would hold it against her um if she uh, was honest about her age, like it would hurt her career, you know, and I don't know. I mean, the other day, if you're 14 or 15 and you're in a relationship with an adult, like it's, it's, it's abuse at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And whether she was coerced into sort of going with this line, she remained very secretive about the nature of this relationship um, for her whole life. And even whenever she was in her, the relationship she was in at the time that she passed away, he even said, look, I asked her about this and she said that she didn't want to talk about it. So I think it was probably a very painful thing for her. Um, whenever she probably looked back and hindsight's a great thing and everything. Um, there was a few interviews that I had watched as well by some of the people who've been in the surviving R. Kelly documentary. And they had all sorts to kind of say about this relationship because it would it was a big deal because she went on to, to be so big herself, um, particularly in America, obviously. Um, yeah, some of the, the claims that were coming from one woman in particular, Lisa Van Allen, um, were really quite shocking. Um, and I'll not go into the detail of those. Um, they're quite easy access online. Um, but yeah, um, she said that he was very clear with her that they did have a physical relationship. Some of the people as well that helped to facilitate their marriage as well, because um, they mm. did get married whenever she was 15 by falsifying documents. A lot of people were saying, uh, you know, and bloody well, rightly so, that they felt guilt around that. Yeah. Well, I would hope so. Feel about it. Now, there was one thing that somebody had said. Now, he was part of the entourage at the time, um, whether well, it was R. Kelly's entourage. I don't think it was Elias, but he said this. He made this statement. And I just, I really like, it really struck a chord with me because, oh, my God, does it just sum up your teens? So they just said at 15, you have all those hormones and no brains attached to them. Very, like, very true. That is literally like you've just <laughs> like looked into my soul, like you've pulled that out. <laughs> so it just really spoke to me. It's so mm -hmm. bloody true. Um, so in uh, 2019, um, her this is obviously a long time after she'd passed um her her partner at the time of her death damon dash uh he had said that you know she had he tried multiple times to discuss it with her um but she um 
was only able to kind of find the courage to say that, you know, he was a bad man, according to, to Damon Dash and that's in relation to R. Kelly. Dash said that he was unable to watch the actual Surviving R. Kelly documentary because he found the interviews of the girls uh, visibly traumatised, mm. um, quite a struggle for him and because obviously he'd had a close relationship um, with her. So that's all we'll say. We'll, we'll draw a line under R. Kelly um, after that. But I just feel like it's a, it's a big part of her story too. So I just thought we need to kind of, I don't want to completely ignore it either. Mm-hmm. So 2000 and, oh no, sorry, 1996, Aaliyah was signed to Atlantic Records and she worked uh, with record producers Timbaland and Missy Elliott and they contributed to her second album. So um, Missy Elliott recalls Timberland and herself being really nervous to work with Aaliyah um, because she'd already recorded a really successful debut and the the two of them were really just starting. Now, I had no idea. So Timberland, real name Timothy Zachary Mosley, not so catchy. He's only 48. I had it in my head that he was like probably in his 50s. I think that's very young. Oh, you're telling me he's 48 now? Yeah, he's 48 now. Oh my apparently. god. I've and see, Missy I would have assumed 49. I would have assumed Timbaland was like in his 40s, like in the early 2000s. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, no. the time he was doing like all the JT stuff and mm-hmm. oh well. Probably the same age as him. Sorry, Timbaland. Yeah, so <laughs> um I mean I remember like he he's like I've always thought of him as like he's a doughy guy, like you mm. know, he's stocky. He would have he wouldn't have looked out of place in a rugby pitch. Yeah. Um and do you remember then he just appeared out of nowhere with like muscles on muscles with muscles on the side. <laughs> yeah. He was he like his traps were literally like starting at his ears. But he was huge. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he just literally he turned that fat into muscle awful quick. Um so I don't know. Sixty uh, minute makeover style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ten years younger, uh, you know the friggin' steroid uh, edition. Um, so him and Missy Elliott were like uh, neighborhood friends. So they were. That's how they became involved with each other, which I think is so sweet because yeah, look where they cute. are now. They've done. They've done really well. Um, he was very, very fond of Aaliyah. Um, he said at the time that they had fears that she was going to be a diva. And they said that she came in and she was so warm and she made them feel like family. Um, Now, after she died, um, he had said in an interview with MTV, uh, she was like blood and I lost blood. Me and her together had this chemistry. I kind of lost half of my creativity to her. It's hard for me to talk to the fans now. Beyond the music, she was a brilliant person and the most special person I ever met. Sounds like he might have fancied her a wee bit. I mean, if they're probably mm. quite a similar age, I can yeah. totally see because she was absolutely drop dead gorgeous and had a really lovely, like, quiet, sort of, like, very dignified air about her as well, like, in, in anything I've watched. Um, so, 2007, she contributed to a few movie soundtracks, including um, Anastasia. Do you remember that wee film? Oh, Anastasia. yes, I do. It was like mm-hmm. a Russian princess kind of... I, I watched it at the time. I'm just completely riffing here. I'm probably lying. Did she, like, leave the palace and live like a pauper or something? I don't know. But she contributed a wee song mm-hmm. to that, which I can vaguely remember. Um, and then she also... Um, wrote a song for the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack, Are You That Somebody, which is a really good tune, actually. And it's really weird because, like, the uh, one of the beats in the background is, like, or it's a sample of, like, a baby laughing. It's just mm-hmm. kind of weird, but still mm-hmm. very catchy. Um, in 2000, or sorry, I keep saying 2000. This poor girl barely even got to see the 2000s. Uh, in 1999, Aaliyah landed her first film role in Romeo Must Die. Um, and 
she started opposite Jet Li, and it was basically like a reworking of the whole Romeo and Juliet saga, which I think, you know, once Baz Luhrmann had done his version, I think people should have just got the message, right, let's just draw a line under it here, we'll not top this. <laughs> But no, people just want to keep trying. Try, try again, Lauren. <laughs> Hello. Um, so she contributed a lot to the soundtrack with that as well. And I mean, people, it was funny because whenever I was looking at the YouTube comments for the video, a lot of people were saying about how the chemistry between Aaliyah and Jet Li in the music video. And obviously I'm assuming they maybe watched the movie. They were like, oh God, they had such chemistry. But they got a lot of flack in their um, movie reviews about a lack of chemistry actually um <clears throat> somebody one of the um a person who did a review glenn oliver of ign whoever the hell that is or whatever the hell that is um said that he liked that she did not portray her character as a victimized female but instead as a strong woman who does not come across as an over-the-top women's right women's rights advocate god forbid glenn uh-huh. It's like, so right, we like, gave you a vote now, away back to the kitchen there, because I'd like a few ham and cheese pieces, thanks. Mm. Oh, so. Be a strong woman, but don't be too strong a woman. No. Okay. Great. And can you just also look very sexy at the same time, please? <laughs> and always have your hair done and your makeup and shaved mm. legs and a flat stomach, thanks. <laughs> so Try Again was released as a single from the soundtrack and topped the Billboard Hot 100, and it was the first single ever to reach the top of the chart based solely on airplay which was a big deal at the time um so the music video won best female video best uh video from a film uh, at the 2000 mtv uh, vmas and earned her a grammy nomination for best female r&b vocalist she lost out that year lauren to you'll be talking about which is something <laughs> we didn't even realize at the time mm-hmm. whenever we were um picking these uh these artists um but yes you'll you'll get on to miss braxton in a moment so after she had done the uh, romeo must die film she then went on to work on her second film which was queen of the damned so that was um part of the anne rice trilogy of the vampire chronicles so there mm-hmm. was interview with the vampire the vampire lestat and Queen of the Damned. I don't know which one came first, but I can't remember if the Vampire Lestat was made. I think it was made, but it was like very much like a B movie, like straight to video potentially. Maybe I'm a drama. Not sure. I, don't know. I mean, Interview with a Vampire was that the one where Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise? Yeah. Oh wow, amazing film. Just yeah. just for those two, like, and Anne Rice was not happy about Tom Cruise being cast in that film right. at all. Very upset about it. And when she saw the film, she couldn't believe how good, how wrong she was, and oh, how okay. amazing he was. And that's, that's a brilliant film, actually. I'm like, why is that not on Netflix? Mm. Um, anyways, so then she, she had a lot of movies going on, or she had a few movies. She also got signed up to star in the two Matrix um, right. sequels to play the character Z. No, it's only because okay. I say Z, funny. But yeah, <laughs> that's who she was playing. Uh, unfortunately, she I think she got to... I don't think she actually got to film any of that. Her her brother actually had to do some of the dubbing for the Queen of the Damned film. Right. Um, he, had, he was asked to come in to help them re-record certain parts. She was also supposed to film Honey um, as well and some kind of blue. I'm not sure what that film was. Apparently that was a remake of some Whitney Houston film or some film that Whitney Houston had been involved in previously. Now, prior to her death, Ali had expressed a desire to learn 
about the burgeoning UK garage scene as oh. she'd heard about it at the time. So she I heard mean, about Mr. Dean Byers. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, what what has history missed out on here? Like we've yeah. all oh. we've lost so much, mm-hmm. lost a lot more than just Aaliyah. Um a lot of potential there. As I've mentioned earlier, Aaliyah had been dating Damon Dash at the time of her death. He was the co-founder of Rockefeller Records along with Jay-Z. Uh, apparently the two of them were like in competition for Aaliyah's affections uh, and Damon won uh, in the end. So Beyonce is delighted with that, I'm sure. <laughs> now, Dash had claimed that they had um, planned to marry before she died. But there was never really a confirmation from her to anyone that they were engaged or anything like mm. that was going on. Actually, how like committed or strong the relationship has been a bit of a question as well, because a lot of people said they were just good friends. So I don't really know what the crack is with that. So then on August 25th, 2001, at age 22, Aliyah died uh, in an airport, an airplane accident in the Bahamas. Uh, and this was on the way back from filming the music video for her song, Rock the Boat. Um, so it was due to the, the aircraft being um, badly overloaded. Uh, I think there was a, a rush to get back to Miami for something. They, they'd all travelled over on a slightly larger aircraft. Uh, the pilot at the time got into apparently some arguments. I mean, all these people are dead. So here I am yeah. saying apparently that these things happened. I don't know who knows this or not or whatever, but this is what's alleged to have happened. There was an argument about the luggage or whatever. And, you know, there are too many people. And not long after takeoff, the, the, the plane just burst into flames and crashed. Um, it was also found that there were traces of cocaine and alcohol found in the pilot's um, system. And he also wasn't qualified to fly that particular aircraft. I mean, literally everything that could go yeah. wrong went wrong. With three strikes there. Exactly. So Aaliyah's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the aircraft operators. And that was settled out of court. Um, she would normally have been accompanied with a family member on any kind of business away, but definitely on her music videos. And this was the one time where not, no, none of her family were there. I think that her brother has said that that's been very difficult for them to deal mm. with. Um, so in the decades since her death, um, you know, her music has continued to achieve commercial success. Um, it's aided, uh, aided by several posthumous releases. I had, do you know what? I didn't own an Aaliyah album, like, actual official album I was one of those arseholes that had the greatest hits <laughs> because <laughs> you know what why not save time and money um so she sold I'd say it's an estimate this is quite like a large margin from 24 to 32 million albums worldwide I mean what we're talking 8 million there that's been mm-hmm. disputed that's weird um so yeah, loads of different um, awards, all the rest. But she was honoured at the 2001 MTV VMAs by Janet Jackson, Missy Elliott, Timbaland and Genuine. Um, Do you know what I remember watching that at the time? I remember mm-hmm. Missy Elliott being on and the big Ali on the big screen behind her mm-hmm. and she was so upset. Like, just, yeah. I'll also remember the weekend she died. I just That's what I was checking before we started, Lauren, because I knew it in my head. She died the Lamas Fair weekend. And that's of all course. I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, oh my God. School's starting again. Ali is dead. This is oh. not a good place to be in. Um, also, the same year that she died, the United States Social Security Administration ranked the name Aaliyah as one of the 100 most popular names for newborn girls. Um, She's uh, there's loads of stuff. Loads, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the facts and figures here because we could be here all night. Um, but yeah. 
did very well. One song ranked in the um, VHS great or VH1's uh, Greatest Women in Music, um, most successful R&B artist of all time. Um, not well, she was I think 27th most successful R&B artist of all time. Obviously, at a time whenever you know we're 20 years ago or whatever. Um, so on to the actual song itself. So try again. Um, was written by uh, Static Major uh, and Timothy Mosley and produced by Timbaland. Now they've written this as if Timothy Mosley and Timbaland are two different people and they are <laughs> not as we've as we've discovered. So um, obviously it was a lead single on the Romeo Must Die um, soundtrack. Uh, now the opening of it, you know, Timbaland, he plays homage to Eric B and Rakeem's song, um, I Know You Got Soul, so it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. That's the exact same opening line for their song, though it's mm-hmm. slightly different at the end. So the song was met with very positive reviews, music critics experienced um, commercial success, experienced a lot of commercial success. Um, obviously, as I said before, it got to number one in America based solely on airplay. Uh, it did really well in the UK. Um, it was in the um, top five um, in the UK. It was also related by Wayne uh, Isham, who also directed Christina and Ricky and loads of NSYNC, mm-hmm. Britney, Metallica, Nine Inch Nails. Who else? <laughs> Who else did they say? The is it is it not Revolver? The Vel is it the Velvet Underground? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Or are oh, they that like current? Familiar. I have no idea. I just know I don't know either. I think I think I have that right. Um, so yeah, so she also like executive produced the film soundtrack and she contributed four other songs. Um, the song itself, actually, one of the engineers on the song said it was written to inspire young people. But Barry, this is Uncle Barry, who introduced her to R. Kelly, so Barry's not a great person in this narrative, <laughs> um, told them that the song had to be about love, so a lot of the lyrics were changed. Um, and as I say, you know, Timbaland himself, he produced it, like Timbaland's massive in itself, or himself as a producer, you know, like he has had a really transformative influence on so many mm. careers in the music industry. I mean, Nelly Furtado. Yeah, of all the people in the lineup, he was like, <laughs> "You." Did you and... see? Sorry to interrupt. I just seen um, yesterday, or maybe today on Instagram, that apparently Nelly Furtado's promiscuous, obviously oh, with Timberland in it, it has like made it back in the charts again because of Why people are using it in TikTok videos. Oh so my god! It, see like, TikTok revive your career yeah, in one second. Given mm-hmm. this song, or surgeons. So mm. there you go, Nelly Furtado and Timberland back in the charts. I have that. <laughs> I had that album, and it's it's very good. Mm. He is like, um, he's kind of funny. Like you know, obviously you hear a song, and you know, like if you go on to say Spotify and go into Timberland and just go into the album, this is Timberland, and mm. has like all the different songs he's produced. I love the way he does just these random things, like in the One Republic video for Apologise, mm. like, you know, the song's playing and he's just going, <laughs> why though? He does that as well in Nelly Furtado's song, Say It Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's, he's just a wee echo in the background. <laughs> and then um, 
and like even like sexy back you know uh which you produced with jt justin timberlake you know it's like i was like he goes i'm bringing sexy back it's like, yeah <laughs> yeah it's like what the hell is this steve avery yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah he's random af um also like he's worked with justin timberlake carrie helson and then madonna for her like 442nd <laughs> reinvention um her song four minutes came up uh whenever i was listening to some of his stuff earlier on um so even uh, as i say in terms of Aaliyah, like she obviously meant an awful lot to him she, after she died they posthumously released the video for miss you um in 2002 and it had like all these that people associate it with her music or friends of hers. There's, in the video, there's Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, DMX, Tony Braxton makes oh. an appearance in it. I, I find her performance in it a wee bit strange. It doesn't seem a bit out of context because everyone's all like really somber and putting their hands together like they're praying and stuff. And Tony's like, you know, it's been too long. Like she's all like, you know, caressing herself. <laughs> it's just singing. And smiling at the camera. It's like, Tony, listen to the lyrics. Like, read the room. I think that's just a reflex reaction, is to Maybe. Camera, sex it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but interestingly, Timberland was noticeably absent from that video, except for, like, you see him in some archive footage. And I wonder, you know, was he like, nah, I couldn't do that? Or, you know, I'd find that too difficult. Mm. I don't know. Ask me, just speculate. So the music video, as I say, directed by Wayne uh, Isham. Um, it begins with Jet Li entering like a hall of mirrors, Aaliyah stepping in wearing a very revealing low-cut top. Of course, the tight low-rise leather trousers mm-hmm. and Timberland's there. Um, the room is very dim, shallow pool. Um, circle light at the centre, kind of to resemble like the moon shining um, over the ocean. Um, it's there's a scene as well where she's got like a, a cane that she's mm-hmm. dancing with. And I think that that's Rihanna has taken that for her umbrella video. You know, she mm-hmm. dances with the, well, not that she's, she just took that directly, but it really like rung a bell for me. That's what it mm-hmm. reminded me of. So the video itself made its official debut on MTV during the week of March the 5th, 2000. And um, it received very heavy TV airplay. Like, I used to love you'd come in from school and, you know, before you went anywhere near your school books, if you ever did, um, you know, go to the fridge, go to the Vicky jar and you just go and, like, watch. You just flick through mm. the, the music channels. Yeah, quite I wonder. And this would come on all the time. Like, I wonder, do kids do that anymore? Like, is our music videos, like, as big a thing as they would have been in our time because as you say I would have been the same I don't same. think they need them anymore you just yeah. need somebody to do a friggin TikTok if, <laughs> you know what I mean if you want anyone to pay any attention to it yeah. I sometimes wonder is TV even mm. like a medium like, now because it's just we all didn't social have, we didn't have YouTube so like now you yeah. can go on YouTube and you watch whichever video you so wish yeah. but we had to literally sit put the music channel on and hope that a song you liked came on or like flick yeah. through the channels and the hope of catching one that yeah, you like uh-huh, like this is uh-huh. You would spend hours, like me and my friends would sit together and they could mm-hmm. literally have the, the music channels just on for hours, yeah. going through the yeah. various channels, listening to the songs and watching the videos. Mm. And, and we enjoyed ourselves, Lauren, as we well. We did. It was a simpler time. Simpler, simpler <laughs> time. Um, 
So some of the YouTube comments um, from it were Timbaland beats from that era still sound more advanced and futuristic than the garbage we got today. I would agree with that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I slagged him off last week because he was a bit of an arsehole about Britney's song Gimme More, um, which was produced by Danger. And mm-hmm. uh, he slagged it off. He thought it was a shit song. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I slagged him. Well, no, I'm not sorry I slagged him because I stand by my comments. But I mean, I, I still have to give him credit where credit's due. Like <laughs> he is still class in a lot of ways. Um, someone else said found out today I got rejected after a job interview I thought I'd get the job for some reason the chorus of this song started playing in my head I, I felt like it was a message thanks Aaliyah um, like she didn't invent the saying if at first you don't succeed try try again <laughs> this yeah. person's ill-informed um, but yeah that's nice that she's getting credit for that uh, I'm not old enough to uh, understand the message I don't know what that means. Um, the 5.5k dislikes from the are from people who didn't try again. I like that one. <laughs> um, imagine if Aaliyah didn't step on that plane and Lisa Lopez didn't step in that car. Then imagine Tupac stayed put at the hotel. We would have three legends and more making the music industry the best. RIP to them. I mean, yeah, I, get, I, I wouldn't wish death on anyone, um, especially people, that, uh, uh, you know, don't friggin know well people I do know but you know I just at the same time I th- I was talking about Freddie Mercury a while ago and I was saying like he so much of his mistake and what hmm. makes him nearly seem like immortal is the fact that he's dead now and yeah. you know what I mean all we have are these like grainy kind of low quality low resolution videos and images of him performing and you know you, you put them on such a pedestal yeah you know, because they're not here anymore, like same with John Lennon. It's like they're, you know, like saints, you know, yeah. the way I like anything they, they could do nothing wrong. And it's not I'm not saying that it's, it's good for your career if you die, because it's, it's the end of your career effectively. So it's not mm. great for your career. But um, you know, there's something about it. I think there's a weird kind of thing where, you know, whenever people die young, whether it's yeah. Amy Winehouse or Kurt Cobain, again, it's like a weird thing mm-hmm. where like people I don't know yeah people just got, like, cling on to it for some reason yeah, it's that yeah a bit of a morbid fascination maybe yeah. and it just yeah makes them seem a bit more it gives them more of a mystique around their life mm-hmm, and their mm-hmm, music mm-hmm. and like if Aaliyah God love her if, if she hadn't got on that plane that day like, maybe her career would have just petered out and yeah. we wouldn't be here you know 21 yeah. years later still talking about yeah. the song try again like yeah it's only because mm-hmm. her the songs that she did manage to release in her life with such a limited selection that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're still so so well known. I think today, you know, I don't I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. No, no, it definitely does. Um, a, a lot of comments were saying she would have been bigger than Beyonce, and again, mm-hmm. that's just you know people obviously fans, um, and you know you're just full of like so much hope that there could have been for the future. And who knows? Maybe she could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> not to say she wouldn't have. Um, because then, you know, you look at people who were legends, you look back at their career, like, you know, Elton John or Paul McCartney, and this, I'm trying to not make it sound as if it sounds like it would be better if they weren't here, because that's certainly not what I'm saying, Lauren, mm-hmm. but they've kind of had enough time to be around that we're so used to them now, mm-hmm. that they're still legends, um, but they kind of are involved in stuff that's a wee bit like cringy sometimes now mm. I don't know it's weird like there's things they've been around longer so certain things they've been involved with I'm not saying it's hurt their career but they've be, they've been like a bit of a 
a laughing stock or mm. not a laughing stock but kind of we can kind of you know poke a wee bit of fun harmless fun mm-hmm. at them like like that song who is it um jennifer lopez will i am and um mick jagger you know mm-hmm. when he appears at the end of that video like oh, i'm not rocking in a roll it's just like <laughs> what are you doing is this Go what back. it's come to Mick? yeah you're like <laughs> Mick, no don't do this to yourself it's that kind of way like they can't help themselves they want to that's him in his mind staying relevant yeah and yeah you're with two people with the at the kids. time that were that were relevant but then also you know like just stay in your lane do you know what I mean <laughs> or like Robert De Niro doing car adverts mm. you know I'll be very sad the day Jack Nicholson decides he's going to start getting involved in advertising <laughs> automobiles I'm already sad um, about Snoop Dogg and them bloody Just Eat adverts oh <laughs> I know, well, exactly. Like, he's just, he sold, he sold himself out, so he has mm-hmm. there in a lot of ways. I mean, I do enjoy those videos, and I do like getting up on what Snoop Dogg does, and I would love to have a car sat-nav, because you can get Snoop Dogg <laughs> apparently doing your sat-nav. That'd be amazing. That'd be class. Um, sorry, just a couple more here. Uh, um, petition to remaster all her videos. Now, yeah, whenever you watch Try Again, it is grainy. Mm-hmm. It's got a grainy case of the old Backstreet Boys, the call going on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was watching it thinking, why is this so shit? I, w- I was on a binge and I was watching like, we need a resolution and I watched the Miss You video and um, the one from Dr. Little. And I was like, well, that one's older. Like, I thought, well, these are really shit quality. Um, then uh, here's two funny ones. So I was working in a strip club in New York in 2000 when this came on and then walked this man who I took one look at and ended a 12 and, and ended in a 12 year affair with. My one real love, it ended badly nine years ago. And sadly, I will never forget him, especially when I hear this. God bless Aaliyah's beautiful soul. So, you know, Aaliyah has been facilitating and, you know, giving the green light to illicit affairs (laughs) from day one. (laughs) And then this one's so random. I remember when I heard this song for the first time, I was in my sports car looking for a drag race around midnight, thinking about ending a relationship with my bootylicious Spanish girl. Aaliyah's lyrics dusted off and try again is what made me not do it I mean okay. I don't know if he regrets that decision now or if they like live happily ever after with this bootylicious Spanish girl but just the detail on that mm. random Very um, so just last wee bit here Lauren I know you're thinking wrap it up hey um, so obviously the song was nominated for the Grammy lost out um the uh, there's a couple. Kim Kardashian actually um, dressed up as Aaliyah um, for Halloween in 2017, oh. as well in the Try Again video. Um, the same I'm not outfit. Sure how I feel about that. No, she did get some shit from people um, saying she was she was it was inappropriate for her mm. to be dressing up as an African American uh, woman. Uh, but then other people were saying she's not like she's just wearing the clothes she's not darkened her skin or anything like that mm. and I kind of can see there's times where you think the world's gone a bit mad sometimes like people will find an issue with anything like even I mean we both love Drag Race and have you seen this week's US Drag Race? No I'll be watching after this. <laughs> well I mean I'm not giving it no way here but um, it's their snatch game isn't it? Yeah it's a snatch mm. game. Ut- Utica um, doesn't want to wear an afro because she thinks now it's an afro and a white person it's a person who actually had hair that would be similar very much similar to afro hair right. she has made a wig out of um, teddy squirrels because she didn't want to offend anyone 
like she didn't she thought she was it was cultural appropriation yeah but you're playing a white person who has an afro it's okay oh God. Do, do you know what I mean I kind of yeah. felt like god love her she probably thought god you know I don't want that it didn't it wasn't a good choice either way you know and that's not me giving away anything by the way but okay. she um yeah do you know what I mean that's just an example of where it's like no mm. listen do you know what I mean um so just the last wee parts then are that obviously whenever I was looking at some of the different um, references for Aaliyah, there are a couple of interesting ones here. So um, George Michael sampled Try Again in his 2002 song Freak. Right. Um, there's like a dance break in it uh, that he um, he has her song. And did you hear that in the background that we do, 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 like the sample from Try Again? I think so, yeah. It's a, just a wee bit, because I'm listening yeah. to it through your mic, it's a bit hard to tell. But... Sorry, this mic is shit. Um, <laughs> shit on my voice as well. So why would I expect George to be getting a break? <laughs> um, so that was one. That was one thing that, and I always, I've heard that song so many times and it only took to friggin' read about this to figure out, Jesus, yeah, it is a layer that's sampled in that. Mm. And then the other one was I found a German band by the name of Norkature, and it was they recorded the song on their album Itch House Music. <laughs> That's the name of the album. And this is right up your street, by the way, Lauren. I think. <laughs> Oh my god! What do you think of that? No, up my street. Up your hole. That is shocking. <laughs> Here's the chorus. I like it. In the name of all, it's holy. I like it. You sound. You're like a German Aaliyah. I like it. Whoa. Um, That's an experience. Yeah, so I was friggin' buzzing to find that. It's now replaced the original for me, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I'll sign off now. I'm just going to finish with a wee quote from Malia herself. Um, so she said, I am truly blessed to wake up every morning and to do something that I love. There is nothing better than that. Everything is worth it. The hard work, the times when you're tired, the times when you're a bit sad. In the end, it's all worth it because it really makes me happy. I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world. I've got good friends, a beautiful family, and I've got a career. I thank God for his blessings every single chance I get. So that's nice. Oh, bless her. Bless her heart sad that she obviously lo- like really loved what she was doing and mm. it was all cut so short sad mm-hmm. for for us all in the yeah grand scheme That's of a things good message too i think yeah because god you know sometimes i think about things i get upset about and i'm like kim people are dying yeah Do you know what I mean? it's one of those moments <laughs> very much so okay i'll move on to miss tony braxton Tony Braxton, sorry, Tony Michelle Braxton, was born on the 7th of October, 1967. That makes her 53 years old currently. And she is the eldest of six siblings. And because her father was a clergyman and their mother was a pastor, so they were obviously raised in a really strict religious household. 
And Tony's first um, experience of performing would have been singing in the church choir. She was actually going to university to become a teacher, but she then decided to sing professionally after she was discovered. So this guy, William Petaway Jr., recognised her from like local performances and introduced himself saying that he wanted to produce her. So I think she was a bit sort of sceptical about it all, but decided to just give it a chance and go for it. So her and her four sisters began performing as the Braxtons in the late 1980s and got the, a record deal then in 1989. And her siblings and her, they're very much um, like a Kardashian style with the old initials. So they all begin with T. All I only know about Tamar. Tamar is yeah. the other one I know. I would only have heard of Tamar as well, but there's Tracy, Trina, Tawanda, and there's a brother as well. So huh? <laughs> it doesn't actually list him. Thanks, Wikipedia, for nothing. I feel but, like um, the uh, Jim Corr's group. <laughs> but all beginning oh. with T. So they released their first single in The Braxtons in 1990, but it's not very successful. However, it does catch the attention of a record executive called Antonio L.A. Reid. And that, like, that's definitely familiar. Oh, yeah, L.A. Reid. He's yep. big dude. And Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, the producer. So Reed and Edmonds quite like the sound of Tony and so recruited her to sing the song Love Should Have Brought You Home, which was actually written for Anita Baker. Right. And it was for the soundtrack of a movie called Boomerang. I haven't actually heard of it myself. I've heard of that film. I've never Have seen you? it. Yeah. So uh, Anita Baker was pregnant at the time and, and didn't record the song, but suggested that they let Tony Braxton do it. And so oh. kicked off Tony's solo career. Mm. So at this point, then Tony obviously leaves like the Braxtons behind and signs to Lafayette Records, which is Antonio L.A. Reid and Babyface Edmonds' um, own like record label. But it's part of Arista Records. So just like an offshoot of them, I suppose. It's described on here as a distributor imprint. I don't know what that means. I think Arista but, was, was Arista owned by Clive Davis. Couldn't tell you. But Arista had been the, the com- record company for the Braxtons. Mm-hmm. But then she went to Lafayette Records, this like offshoot that these two guys ran. Mm-hmm. And uh, so began recording her solo debut album with them. So then after the release of her second album, uh, she's already won two Grammys at this point. But Tony has still not received any financial rewards from the record label. <laughs> Well, so she has to start a lawsuit against them, which is a very familiar theme among all these stars. Didn't read the contract, did no, you, Tony? Getting screwed over, getting no money after two yeah. successful albums. Mm-hmm. So she starts this lawsuit, but it's not successful, and she has to file for bankruptcy. So Tony then actually these were, these were back in the days when you couldn't go onto your Instagram and like sell, you know, yeah. um, uh, flat tummy tea. Do you know what I mean? She could have maybe got a few endorsements yeah, on her she, belt. She, no, she, she just... No skinny tea back up here. No. Nope. <laughs> ponyos. Ponyos. I want mm. a ponyo. She uh, has to file for bankruptcy then, but actually settles the, the case with the label in 1999 and begins working with them again on her third album. So they must have really reconciled there if she's willing to keep on working with them. Sounds like an abusive relationship. She oh. couldn't escape. Yeah. So... Anyway, begins working on the third album with them after all this carry on. 
And that is when he wasn't man enough as part of the third album. So it's released on the 7th of March, 2000. And this is now the 6th of March. So tomorrow's the 21 year oh, anniversary. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> to you. So the third album then was Heat and it was produced by Dark Child. And that's the album that the song was on. So Tony, prior to this, had been more known for her ballads, like Unbreak My Heart is mm-hmm. a classic Tony Braxton song that most people will have heard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this song was a real departure for her, real, like more dance-inspired, pop R&B-influenced song. And all the instruments of the song were played by Dark Child, and the background vocals were sang by Tony herself, apparently. Nora Payne, Charlotte Gibson, and Dark Child. Right. So this song reaches number one in Canada and Poland, and also in the US R&B chart. I know it's so random, but in the US, like Billboard chart, it's number two. And then it reached number five in the UK, and number 12 in Ireland. And the video then was directed by Billy Woodruff, who has also worked with Britney, TLC, Celine Dion, a lot of big um, pop stars of the time. So on to this music video itself. Um, and I mean, I know you've watched this recently too. And yes. this video has one of the weirdest opening sequences that I've maybe seen in my life for a music video. Um, it opens on a cartoon version of Tony Braxton moaning very suggestively. <laughs> and like at this stage, you would be forgiven for thinking that you've opened the wrong kind of video or like you've been pranked. Or if someone sent you the link to this, you're like, I've been pranked. Um, yeah, are you that one that you get sent all the time uh-huh. where it's like something completely normal and then the sound is like someone you know giving yeah. an Oscar winning performance mm-hmm. I know the oh, one you, you know mean what? it's a bit like if someone sent you the link to this and you first hit play you'd be forgiven for thinking that that exact same thing was happening here Yeah, but um, cartoon Tony is some sort of superhero who pulls down the zip of her superhero catsuit uh, so that her cleavage is very much in display, not fully, but there's definite plunging neckline situation going on. And this captivates the three baddies and allows her to like zap them with her superpowers or whatever. So nonsense nonetheless, but sure. Then it cuts to the song. So we're in a busy nightclub with lots of people. There's some nice pink and purple lighting going on. And there's also shots of Tony dancing in the usual tunnel, music video tunnel that seems to be a staple of so many of these. And they, they obviously like as well, you know, you can see that they've got some kind of like a ring light. Mm-hmm. You can always see it in the, their, the pupils of their eyes, exactly what lighting is on them, like a different yeah. music videos. But I think she's got the same sort of thing there too. And now the first tunnel is sort of orangey red in colour and there's a shape at the end that looks sort of like a flower. Mm -hmm. So in the shots of her in the tunnel, she's wearing like low rise, of course, acid kind of wash or like bleach effect, blue jeans, um, a red sparkly halter neck crop top and red wedges by the looks of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this like screams early 2000s to me. It's basically something I would have worn on a night out around then. I'm not right then, I was 13, but you know, still in the do yourself, Lauren. Tell us the truth. <laughs> like halter tops. I mean, you don't see a halter top anymore, really. They were God. very, very much a thing that was popular then. 
And now I remember wearing it never all wear the top them. first year uni. I don't know. I got it from Oasis of all places back when I liked the stuff that Oasis sold. And um, let me tell you, that halter neck was doing a double shift. <laughs> so, well, I was like, most halter tops do, but I don't think I was maybe a candidate for it, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, it was still a really nice top, actually. I probably like wouldn't even be able to get my left arm through it now, but... Oh, I loved, loved the halter top back in the day. Hated the uh-huh. halter bra that you had to wear with it. But anywho, so her hair is like really long and straight and the makeup's just like a nice basic smoky eye nude lip combination. Uh-huh. And like even Tony Braxton couldn't escape the, the thin brows here as well. Uh-huh. So Tony is walking through the club. She's in her black leather trousers and a strappy top. A spaghetti strap, you might call oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another thing that eludes me. And me. So she's like weaving at her friends and then she joins them at the bar. She's looking good, feeling good and obviously out for a good time with her pals here. And then who walks in but her ex and his new wife. And they walk right past Tony. Are they married or are they engaged? I get the, I, I always got an engaged vibe. See, somewhere. I thought engaged, but I did pause and she's got two rings on that finger. So they're yeah, two large rings. <laughs> okay. They must be married. And uh, they walk right past Tony and the guy gives her a look and keeps on walking. And then the new wife gives a sly look back over her shoulder at Tony and with a smug little smile holds up her hand to flash these big diamond rings at her. Like, mm. is, is there any need for this behaviour? What age are you know, these people? I was in the car earlier driving to the shop. Um, I don't know why I need to say it. It was an essential journey. Sometimes <laughs> I was buying items to bake something and um I was like driving up a hill and there was a woman coming along pushing a pram pushing it with one hand and holding her partner's hand with the other and I just thought there's just no need that just makes no sense to me like I mean maybe I'm just very cynical but you know similar to what's going on in this video it was like nearly like I don't know imagine like just not pushing the pram with like both hands because you had to hold your partner's hand it just made me think like yeah, it's an awkward thing to do. It's just not the t- ideal time to be holding anyone's hand. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just I maybe I just want to have my hand held, Lauren, and I'm just pissed <laughs> off about it. I'm the I same. Hand holding is <laughs> not a thing from in my life. <laughs> no, um, no. Whenever we're not in this country, it's definitely a thing. Like <laughs> if you're on holiday, hands mm. are being held. It is so weird, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, like oh, I don't know, just very childish behaviour going on at this point of this music video. And poor mm. Tony looks a bit gutted, you know, despite ruining her night out. So, fun fact, the ex in this video is actually played by Tony's boyfriend at the time, Kerry Lewis, of oh, an R&B group called Mint Condition. don't think I've ever heard of them, but uh, maybe they were more popular in the old he USA. Was I can tell you that. <laughs> and apparently he ended up playing that role of the, the ex-partner because so the... The new wife in the video, Miss Smug here, she, mm-hmm. the actress that played her, objected to the actor that they originally had to play the ex-husband or ex-boyfriend or whatever, because right. she used to, no, because he resembled Mike Tyson and that she used to go out with Mike Tyson. So she didn't want to act Wait, alongside Robin, <gasps> Robin, Robin Gibbons. Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, Robert, so Robin Gibbons, was she not... Um... Did she not accuse him of sexual assault? 
I think she, she did. She's, think, she said yeah, she was traumatised by the relationship. Yeah, uh-huh. anyway. No, I understand that now, actually. Yeah. God, that is mad. She does mm-hmm. not look at all like um, like the stuff I've seen from her back whenever it was like the 80s or 90s, whenever that all happened, where mm-hmm. they were together, married, and then, you know, she looks completely different. Like, obviously, her hair styled completely differently, like, and she looks, she looks really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, God, Lauren, that's really blown my mind. So there you go. Robin said no to whoever was meant to play the ex uh-huh. and her boy got the job. So Kerry uh-huh. uh, Lewis, Tony's boyfriend, had to step in. So they did go on to marry in real life, but are now divorced. Anyway, the ex in, in his black leather trousers, so they're, they're very matched in here, <laughs> both uh-huh. in the leather pants. And he's got like a black tank top and leather jacket. And he's got hoop earring and he's also wearing some sort of like sunglasses or transition lenses, at least in the club. And, uh, oh, you know, transition lenses just remind me of like a priest that we like, oh. not, that, not that we knew personally, like me, just me and you, but like definitely from our parish. Yeah. We love the transition lens. So, I mean, and we now know that uh, a man wearing sunglasses in the club is the sign of a cheater. Thanks to the Backstreet Boys. Yes, so. thanks AJ. <laughs> We're off to a bad start. Mm. So this new wife, though, is, I'm sorry, but she's insufferable. She has mm. this real smug look on her face. And she's wearing like a fur or feather wrap of some sort. Uh, it's, it's maybe a jacket, but it's off her shoulders anyway. She's also in an all black outfit with like a silver choker. Has a long side swept fin- fringe that's also so reminiscent of that era. She's also got the Gabrielle vibes. Yeah, very that. And she's also got the thin villainous brows here mm-hmm. and some nice blue eye makeup. So I'm going to call her Smug Susie for the purposes of this video. She does feature quite heavily. So this couple are all over each other, right within eye shot of Tony. And it also shows the TV in the corner of the nightclub and the cartoon version of Tony is on it fighting her baddies. And then we cut to Tony in like a white tiled room and there's red stripes on the walls. And she's wearing a blue dress and pink heels. And very noticeably, this dress has a really high split at the front and pink underwear is clearly visible. So mm-hmm. like at times, Tony even is like holding the skirt of the dress and flapping it around like she's the salsa dancer, very deliberately showing off her underwear. So I mean, shit, her body is buying, Lauren. She is, but Bang it, in. what a choice. But clearly, Tony's delighted with it. So it's all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, God, I, she is, I. <laughs> There's also then clips of her in like a white tunnel, uh, basically an all white outfit, jeans and a boob tube and trainers finished off with a dark denim jacket and she's got her hair all curly. Like when did boob tubes die out? Good riddance to them to be fair, but yeah, yeah, not a thing that you see these days really. Yeah. So back in the club, Tony's now up on the dance floor and she's dancing and laughing with her friends. And uh, she's obviously decided now she's not going to let this pair of insufferable pricks ruin her night out. Mm-hmm. But, of course, her dancing and enjoying herself then catches the eye of the ex. Like, can this man not just be happy with his current wife? A minute ago, yeah. he was all over her. But now he's eyeing up Tony. And mm. Smug Susie also notices that Tony's having uh, too much fun for her liking, clearly, and is shooting yeah. her evils. But I suppose this goes along with the theme of the song which is basically about, you know, I dumped this guy and now you've married him, but you think I still care about him. 
you know, mm. it sounds like a, a new wife of your ex-partner giving you grief is sort of the vibe you get from the song. Mm. So then cut to the woman's bathroom of this club and Tony is at the sink and this whole bathroom seems Can't a bit... Can't wait um, to be in, in, the, in the, at the sink of a bathroom in a nightclub again, Lauren. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Cannot wait. I know. I mean, this is unbelievable from the off because the bathroom's bloody empty. Like, where's the queue? Should be my. It long... must be like they've just opened, you know, like, like <laughs> the, the it's not picked that... up the patrons yet. But like, yeah. in reality, there'd be a queue a mile long. There'd be water and toilet roll all over the floor. Like you wouldn't get near the sink because women oh would be gosh. doing their makeup. But you know, yeah. anywho, so there's this random woman behind Tony, and this is actually Tamar Braxton. So. Oh, well, <laughs> didn't know that. Up to her, her reputation. <laughs> the nepotism is all over this video. <laughs> mm. but, I feel like when you were saying there about how the uh, Mike Tyson lookalike um, wasn't able to, well, she, <laughs> Robin wasn't having any of it. Her boyfriend was just there, like, you know, over at the craft table, you know, just getting some donuts or whatever. And she was <laughs> like, she's like, here, Pat, you're going to have to go and get dressed here. Like, we're having a nightmare here. And we just, we've got a schedule you're going to have to be the love interest. And he's literally got like <laughs> a bagel hanging out of his mouth. And he's like, thank. Well, here we go. <laughs> I did think, I mean, he is absolutely punching. I didn't think he'd be the type. He, I just personally, for me, I kind of thought they could probably could have found a far more like universally attractive guy. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. He just wasn't like commercially as attractive as I would have thought for a music video, but now mm. it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Yeah. No, that'd be why. A uh, bit of a last minute replacement, probably. So Tamar slash random lady is standing at the sink or standing behind these people at the sink. And this random guy comes in who seems to be the partner of Tamar. And he's then followed by Susie, who comes over and stands beside Tony at the sink. And so while these two are giving each other evils in the mirror, the couple behind them are having some sort of domestic dispute with the man grabbing Tamar's jacket as she tries to walk away from him. And like Tony and Susie just completely ignore this display. I think Lauren, see, see, that's are they not the two people that are also at the bar with Tony whenever her and well, Tamar? Walk in? Yeah, Tamar is definitely dancing with Tony and at the bar. Yeah, I, I can't be sure about the other guy. I, have to I don't know. Maybe she was going over to start on Robin, and your mom was like, "Don't go near them." I don't know, but okay. it was very, it was a, it was a very like definite and deliberate, like quite noticeable tug which mm. you know screamed you know some sort of a domestic scenario yeah but I mean can yeah. you imagine that if you saw similar happening like in the women's toilets in the club here like there'd be oh, an all-out brawl the well, minute your man he wouldn't be in. allowed in yeah he'd be escorted out quite smart I'd be the type that would be like <laughs> this is the ladies you shouldn't be in the ladies <laughs> so uh Tony and Smug Susie seem to have a bit of a brief conversation here at the bathroom where, and Susie drops her smug exterior and then turns around to Tony looking a bit sad, really. But they seem to reach some sort of agreement here and a couple in the background have, you know, a made amends and they leave, followed by Tony. But this leaves Susie standing alone at the sink, looking just a bit anxious, really, and, mm-hmm. and looking at her wedding rings, tellingly. Mm-hmm. So... Then we cut to what's maybe my favourite look of the video, which is Tony and her backing dancers in this purple-pink room. 
and she's wearing like a silver flapper style dress, but it's that chainmail look that was mm-hmm. also very popular in the 2000s. Like the kind of thing Paris Hilton was stepping out in mm. every weekend, but a really nice look for Tony here. Yeah. So back in the club then, Tony approaches the ex and beckons him to follow her, which of course he does. So this man needs to get in the bin, to be honest. And... Uh, Susie then is finally leaving the bathroom. So Tony has led him into a back room and she's sitting on the sofa looking very like aloof and kind of playing it a bit coy. And he stands in front of her and takes his jacket off and he's just like, giving her the eye. And then she indicates for him to take his trousers off as well. And back at the bar then, Susie, horrified, points to the TV and what do you know, on comes some live camera footage from her husband in the back room with Tony about to take off his trousers, thinking he's going to get busy. So her Susie's now humiliated, as all the people in the club can see these shenanigans happening on the screen. And she storms off. So so many things, you know, like, I just don't understand, like, first of all, that, you know, smug Susie's able to go in and be like, you know, just tell the bar staff, can you mm-hmm. put on your security cameras for me? First of all, I'd be like, no, because those are our <laughs> security cameras. Um, also, like, as you say, this nightclub is so empty. And, like, I mean, that's a full seating area that they're in. Mm. Like, those seats would be getting used. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. much. If it was me, I'd be like, where are we sitting? Because that's yeah. the only reason why I'll stay out anywhere for any length of time <laughs> if I don't have a seat. Um, you know, and then even, like, there's, I don't know, like, it's, if it's just literally a room off the nightclub, like, sorry, was he thinking he was going to go in there and he was going to be getting some just behind yeah. a curtain that anyone could just walk? What, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wasn't even like, you know, it was your bog standard alleyway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't like off-site. Do you know what I mean? No. And I'm like, a, um, a sure someone could walk in at any point, some poor man. Maybe, that was, maybe that's what he's into. Yeah. Maybe he was like, you know. He likes the, the risk the being risky mm-hmm. and caught in public mm. but um some poor barman could go in there looking to collect some glasses and get a very terrible shot and then go, oh, shit. <laughs> right. and I go so you never know what's going on in the background it was the like you know that <laughs> bar that um like bar slash come club that you know we would have gone to at a certain age that was um there was like it was more so out in the country a wee bit more and there was mm-hmm. like up by the DJ booth there was like a wee enclave mm-hmm. it was like a set like a wee circular enclave I feel like that's literally that this but you know just with a wee curtain partition yeah. but it's all <laughs> lit up you know so it's for somebody it's for the public to access mm. oh it's quite me night. Those vibes off. quite night at the club <laughs> mm. but uh, so now Tony points upward towards the camera in the room and your man finally realises what's happening. It all clicks. He's been set up by his wife and his ex. So the door opens and Susie walks in and flings her rings at him and then her and Tony high five as they walk out and leave him standing there like a numpty that he is. So (laughs) it's given me real vibes of also like we were laughing at just the overuse of the word vibes for me (laughs) in general like I'm 34 what business do I have (laughs) labeling vibes off everything but I'm gonna keep doing it because I don't give a shit um so it gave me vibes of whenever um Kylie Jenner like posted a picture of her with black china 
um, whenever people thought they were feuding because Black China was going out with Tyga and then Kylie was with him and then Black China started getting with Rob, like nearly like his vengeance. So it's mm. almost like everyone thinks we're arch nemeses, but we're actually working together. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go through just a couple of the comments from the video. Um, I think my favourite one is from The Office. This song doesn't throw shade, it throws a solar eclipse. Very true. <laughs> um, you know, someone's quoted the lyric, do you know I dumped your husband, girlfriend? And just says brutal after, <laughs> afterwards. Um I live for the aesthetics of the 90s to 2000s R&B videos. Very, very true. Me as well. Uh, Tony's mm. voice is incredible. Almost chair-like, but still edgy and fresh. I mean, don't this share, you know, but... Oh, yeah, I think, no, don't I do think share's still plenty edgy and fresh, even at her age. Yeah, I mean, I get you. She's very, like, you know, very low register. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. it's very much from, like, her throat. It's like, it's a bit yeah. Elvisy as well. She, Sorry to slide someone off, really. <laughs> someone's posted like she's an alto vocalist. That means nothing. Yeah. Maybe it means more to you. The alto <laughs> is like um, just below soprano. Okay. I think. So, um, and then I'll just finish with I refuse to leave this era of music. I don't care how many hits Greg cranks out. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. It, it, it reminds me of the uh, what's that clip from um, Wolf of Wall Street? I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> All right, don't then. But um, so yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Fair. Hmm. Um, so the song earned Tony Braxton her sixth Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance in 2001, uh, clearly beating Pearlie to the to the Grammy. So. Oh dear, we didn't realise there was a slight <laughs> crossover here, but there we go. Tony, this is your fault, okay? <laughs> you robbed this girl of an opportunity for a Grammy and she didn't get her career. And I hope you're happy, surrounded by your three Grammys in your bed, probably. <laughs> but like, here, you know, here's another fact, though. According to Billboard.com, this song was Tony's last top 10 appearance in the Billboard Hot 100, which is sad. So like there you go. Out on a high at least. Yeah, but I mean, and so- yeah, I just I just googled there to see the actual single cover, and because I thought I think I had this as well. So yeah, I did. I had this as a single. So I mean, when did this come out? I was what like um two thousand. Uh yeah, early two thousand. So yeah, I was thirteen, and I was probably prancing around singing a song like I had all the friggin' experience in the world, <laughs> you know. What are you thinking? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. But um, funny that we were planted on the sofa at 13 watching this music video, thinking we could bloody relate to this song <laughs> in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was, it was a tune. I mean, if, if mm. you were in a nightclub and that came on, like, you would absolutely lose your shit. I know yeah. I would. Mm. I feel like I would want to submit some of these um songs that we've looked at and be like no this needs to be played this needs to be played like stuff that you would never like to, mm. he wasn't man enough would never normally be played but I'm no. hoping post um ponder replay mm. that DJs will just listen to what we ask for and just yeah. have the shit and not give you I'll see if I have it that's code for not a chance <laughs> I just like listen I have an iPhone give me your ox lead it's fucking being played yeah 
give the people what they want. Yes. So uh, apparently over her career, Tony Braxton has sold over 70 million records, which is impressive, including 40 million albums. And she has also actually been quite well known for her fashion style, especially for having really high splits in her dresses. So that kind of explains the, the dress in this video. Um, and she's apparently always went a little risque with her award show outfits. But I like, love that. It's like yeah. it's really high slits. It's like we're just about to see your evolve. <laughs> well, if you Google um, Tony Braxton Grammy's dress. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it right now. One of the first things that pops up is this white dress, and it's basically like two strips of material draped over her. She's a, a fan of the old Grammy dress. Yeah, Grammy's dress. Okay. Oh yes, mm. I, I think yeah, I've seen that. Was that much more yeah, risque than even the one in this video? Yeah. Oh God, I <laughs> just like two white strips dangling down either side. Yeah. Really, is what's going on there? Oh my god, how cold would you be? Like, it's just mad, like, just the level of exposure that's mm. expected. Definitely. But then, you know, at the same time, like, she would probably feel very comfortable wearing that. Like, the reason why I think it's so outrageous is because I would feel so self conscious, mm. personally. My problem, though, my problem. Well, in 2011, she actually topped the list for the Grammy Awards Best Dressed of the Decade. So clearly, these. Risque Jeez. dresses made a big impact. <laughs> I mean, would you call that a dress? It looks like a bloody curtain tie. <laughs> looks like she took or, yeah. or the, the slipping the bit of string from your dressing gown and just wrapped it around. It's like, <laughs> is that, it's that to dressed with that kind of, you know, the sort of idea behind that? Julie Marsh, she'd be up there yeah, too as a best dress. Very much so. It's, yeah, very Julie Marsh vibes here from, mm. <laughs> from these dresses. Um, then in t- 2012, Tony made the list for VH1's 50 Greatest Women in Music. Mm-hmm. And randomly, on June the 2nd, 2016, the city and county officials of Atlanta, Georgia, named June the 2nd as Tony Braxton Day <laughs> to celebrate 20 years of her career. And this occurred during like a performance that she was having in the city that day. So she did her performance oh and then these officials came on and announced that Second of June was Tony Braxton Day in Atlanta, Georgia. That's really good that with two songs you can get your own day. Like, that's brilliant. <laughs> but uh, so Tony is still in the go. She's still doing her thing at 53 and she released a new album last year and there's a couple of videos out from that as well. So, right. You know, is she's it more still... mature, would you say? Like, is it a more, not no. like her song, but you know, is it more of her age or is she still kind of like bare all? Maybe a Hopefully bit more. And physically. The one that I watched was a bit more of an upbeat song. I think it was called Dance. Just mm-hmm. and uh, she, no, she. I mean, she's looking great for for fifty three. And the song, like, she certainly wasn't in like any extremely risque outfits. I don't think from what I seen of it, she's mm-hmm. maybe in like a more like a suit inspired sort of get up with you know like a shirt yeah. and a blazer and stuff. But um, oh, she's looking well, I have to say. Yeah, I could be totally wrong here with this, but yeah. <laughs> she's still out there making music and videos and, and loving life. So on Very you go, good. Tony. Very good. No, I enjoyed that. Um, yes, so yeah, that's good. There's loads there that I actually had no idea about. The Robin Givens one, like, that's mad. 
Mm. Actually, now that I think about it, um, I think was she. I think she was the subject of another podcast I listened to, like um, the C Word podcast, where they talked about her. And um, by the word, the C Word is crazy, not C A N T. When we're talking about the C Word, um, so yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, no, very good. And as I say, the way we both realised afterwards that you know they both released music in the same year and one beat the other in the Grammys as well like completely just mm. randomly discovered that yeah I've just stuck this video on for this song that's released last year Dance mm-hmm. and I was talking shit about it not being risque apologies oh. backtracking so like she's in a kind of angel inspired outfit with like lingerie like suspenders and mm-hmm. um, then there's another look where she's got like suspenders on again and like a big mac with a hood and stuff on top of it. She looks well though. We'll give her that. Jesus, she doesn't look at fifty, fifty-three or whatever. No, I don't know. There's, there's, just you can't get older as a female. You just don't even think about it. Um, there is a bit here where she's in a suit, like a white suit. So mm-hmm. I remembered that much, but uh, the rest, yeah, she clearly does like her wee skimpy outfits and more power to her. Yeah, work away. Has she had a nose job? Or is that just good makeup? I don't know. It's something, just, maybe a bit of filler. Something's going on, a filler, maybe. the effect of her nose or something. Yeah, but she looks really well. Like, I mean, mm. if I was ever to get, like, my face reconstructed, like, I'd want the name of Cher's surgeon because, I mean, she doesn't look like... Do you know what I mean? She still... Obviously, she looks like she's definitely had surgery, mm-hmm. but not, like, it's not been botched, I don't think. Um, yeah. It doesn't look or it's it's done exactly what it was meant to do. Mm. And um, also, like, she has uh, a son with autism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she's, like, really involved in Autism Speaks, which is, Mm -hmm. like, some sort of, you know, charitable group for Mm -hmm. supporting kids with autism and their parents and stuff. So she's obviously involved in that. Her son was born in March 2003. So there we go. He's 17. Oh, right. okay. God, I thought I was going to... And my head like, so he's, so he's seven. No, 18. My mum's mm-hmm. terrible. 18 now in March. Very good. Oh, God, right. Well, it's... Um, yeah, she shows the real people too. Experience the <laughs> same things as... Well, that's it. As the rest of us or people. You know what I mean? It's good. It makes them more relatable, I find. Mm. I think. Yeah, good job this week, Lauren. Um, you probably have your hands filled editing my um, <laughs> heap of shit because I kept stopping to cough and my notes were too detailed at times and I could really <laughs> do with investing in a highlighter maybe instead of being like, um, where was I? Uh, so yeah, that was good. Uh, I suppose better bring up the, the old socials. Um, keep forgetting to say, please like, like and subscribe to the podcast if this is your yes. kind of thing now that we're live and out there it's it's great to see people subscribing to it obviously and giving mm-hmm. them likes and things so really grateful for that and you mm-hmm. can follow us uh, on instagram at video chat podcast and also on facebook on uh, the pages just video chat podcast so on those we'll post little clips of things and teasers about what's coming up for the next episode and you can even send us a wee suggestion or two as well for the next time. Definitely. Um, and like rate and review. And like we're obviously very keen for five star reviews. That'll be so nice if we can it have would those. Be. 
Um, you know, anything less is a no. <laughs> We've been really, really chuffed at how um, encouraging and positive um, yeah. people have been about this wee endeavour that we have embarked upon uh, in our spare time. Mm. And um, it's really nice for us to get to chat about stuff and think back on time and laugh about, like, you know, silly clothes or mm. what was going on at the time or what what memories that certain songs can trigger, you know. And I think, and I hope that it does the same thing for the people that are listening, that, you yeah. know, they remember maybe certain details. Like, did anyone else remember that Aaliyah died the weekend of the fair? No? <laughs> Um, very niche <laughs> to be it's niche but you know she was uh, a big big deal on MTV so mm. was um, but yeah so just these wee things or just these silly wee details that like my head is filled with this rubbish um, mm. so yeah we really appreciate it and you know hopefully like it continues and it grows and people enjoy it and or continue to enjoy it if they're saying so we, we're hoping that they get better I feel like you know maybe like I say Lauren you're gonna have to edit my my rubbish this this week because I feel like I've stopped and started so many times um in the middle of my coughing fits for one example not COVID related people just just so we're clear well we can't we can't help having a cough happens to the best of us we can't, we can't. Um, all right, well, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you very you, Lauren. much. Thank you, Anna, and we shall yeah, and we talk will, to you. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll probably talk to you straight after this because we'll have to figure out what's next on the agenda. This is um, true. <laughs> and then we will talk to you in a week. In a week's time. See you then. Yeah. See you, bye. Bye.